I'm Edward Zabrinski, and this is SEO in 2023 Additional Insights. Edward, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2023? My big insight for uh, SEO in 2023 is to make EAT a core component of your SEO strategy and keeping it in mind at all times. So are we still calling it EAT with uh, the double E at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, it just rolls off the tongue a lot easier than uh, EEAT. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, um, so let's dive into practice um, and how that um, particular aspect of SEO or, or what Google are advising on really actually impacts SEO. So shall we dive into the first one, uh, experience? So um, what do you mean practically by by, by doing that? So experience is one of those things that everybody has it to a degree. People just don't really talk about it. So experience is a real sort of, it's tangible with expertise in the sense that someone that has been within an industry longer or has achieved more in a shorter time frame, that experience directly correlates with the uh, expertise that they would have. The big thing to do here is to make sure that you implement it and have it visible and screamed and shouted about throughout the entirety of your website. Previously, you'd see people say, have a very minimal about page or a story kind of page. And that would typically say, yeah, we've been in business for over 20 years, but that's about it. Whereas that was okay sort of 2017 before the medic update hit in 2018 that really saw the rise in prominence of EAT, um, especially on like YMYL websites. But it's what you use that experience for and how you apply that experience on your website that really separates your websites from others. Because ultimately, there's going to be countless businesses offering the exact same sort of product or service that you are. But what makes you different is the experience and expertise that you have alongside that of uh, all your employees or staff. Okay, and are you solely here talking about the experience of the business, of the brand? Uh, And if so, what do you write? And do you need to mark up the content as well to demonstrate that experience? Um, So any kind of um, author schema that you can have, any sort of additional um, structured data that can make digesting and processing this information easier would always be recommended. But I'd actually like to take it one step um, further, sorry, and this is something that I do quite often, is that don't just focus on the uh, company as a whole. Really hammer down into maybe like your senior leadership team, those people that there isn't expected to be a high sort of churn in terms of um, staff. And this way, you have not only the experience and expertise of your organisation, but also the people that make up the organisation, as again, they're the difference between company A and company B. The way that I do this is look at A, the sort of awards, accreditations, reviews, testimonials of the company itself. And again, do this across multiple platforms, just so it creates that bigger sort of digital footprint that you are to be seen as um, an expert an authority and therefore can be trusted but also going into the sort of experience of your employees or senior leadership team so that then you're really highlighting what each person brings to the organization and thus why your organization should stand out from the rest applying this onto content as well and making it available throughout the website it's something that is realistically it's quite universal in the sense that this wouldn't say benefit some websites more than others unless of course they fall under YMYL where this is a fundamental necessity now. EAT is on every website, it's part of the algorithm, it's just one of these things that you can't say I've increased my EAT by 
20 points and now I'm ranking fifth instead of 10th, for instance. It's that ongoing commitment and that one sort of thing that may get overlooked by a lot of websites that will actually push yours or your client's websites above the competition. Now, you also talked about ensuring that you emphasise the experience of your leadership team. Now, would it be enough, for instance, to actually link to their LinkedIn profiles or prominent social profiles? Or is it necessary to incorporate a lot of that experience directly on the website? So linking out is great, again, for that idea of increasing that digital footprint. But when you're linking to social profiles, because that's self-serving, self-generated content, there is always that element of this could potentially be gamed or you could uh, phrase things in certain ways or ultimately it can be a bit misleading. So when I like to link out, I like to link out predominantly to highly renowned industry-specific organisations or news outlets that have featured the people. So that this way, again, you're making it much clearer for, say, a website visitor, but also a search engine crawl bar, that when it lands on, say, a profile, you've got all of their experience actually written on the website itself, almost like a LinkedIn on your uh, company website. But then you also get to link out to news outlets or industry media that features them. And if there's, say, an award that they've been nominated for or received, if you can link to that news release, that's generated by, in theory, an independent third-party website There's actually noticing the amazing things that this person or business are doing. And then you just really paint that picture that they can be trusted, they are an expert and authority, and here is the reason why, as opposed to just saying, yeah, we're brilliant, trust us, please. You mentioned expertise a couple of times when talking about experience. So how does expertise differ from experience here? So expertise and experience, they're very closely linked in the sense that more years service in theory should indicate a greater level of expertise. However, the big difference here for me is you can show expertise in a short period of time. And it sort of goes against what I've just said there in all honesty, in the sense that on paper, someone that has 10 years experience should be more of an expert than someone that has two years. However, if that person has um, accomplished more in two years than that person has in 10, in theory, they are to be seen as more of an expert because there's almost that idea of efficiency. So when you see these people that are, or companies that are very much disruptors or like unicorn companies, for instance, they haven't been around as long, but they're achieving great things. And that's where that expertise element comes in. And again, you can use that on the company level or you can do it on the basis of the individual and really highlight who they are, what they do, why they're an expert. And you can even play on the fact that despite only being within the industry for X amount of years, we've achieved this and this is where we're going. So it really creates that story and it almost creates that fairy tale of against all odds or despite being late to the party, we've actually capitalised and taken uh, over the industry. And that's the sort of thing that, again, really separates your industry, your uh, website or your company from those uh, in the rest of the industry. Now, the third element of EAT is authoritativeness. So where does that fit in? Um, So the authoritativeness, for me, I like to associate this more so with partnerships, um, with leading industry bodies. As again, if you're able to almost piggyback on the uh, reputation and the sort of perceived uh, expertise and authoritativeness and trustworthiness of these other organisations, 
having a partnership is essentially similar to link building, a vote of confidence from this organisation for yours. So having these sort of memberships, partnerships, making them clearly sort of um, transparent on your website, which also lends into that trustworthiness side of things, also allows you to say, again, we are an authority within the industry. We have high quality thought leadership content written by experts. We're trusted by these um, organisations, governing bodies, leading bodies. Um, if you're in healthcare, how you can write about all your CQC compliance. If you're in finance, financial con- conduct authority, sort of following their guidance as well. Really scream and shout about that on your website and the signal signals you as an authority because you are going with every bit of compliance there is. You're trusted by these bodies and also you are producing stuff that offers ultimately value to uh, search engine users. So if you were to pick the ultimate sign of authority, would it be um, a great link? Would it be demonstrating that that brand is a leading entity within an industry sector or something else? So uh, for me, it would be uh, the biggest sign of um, EAT would be producing content that is written by experts that doesn't just have um, financial gain. So a true website that offers um, expertise, authority and trustworthiness offers that perceived level of value without direct commercial gain. Obviously, you're going to produce content that will, if it's of a high enough quality, naturally gain links, which, as we know, are going to be the best signals in terms of quality as well as you've not sort of uh, partaken in any sort of reciprocal linking practices. People are genuinely linking to you because this is a fantastic source of insight or it's well-researched. And ultimately, a, a fantastic piece of content at that level uh, has all of those signals as a byproduct as well as obviously what we do in SEO of obtaining rankings. So for me, content is king when it comes to demonstrating EAT, whether that is just newsworthy content, whether it's support guides, how-to guides, or even if it's a, a simple thing as like a news piece that demonstrates the um, recent award or anything that the business has received, that bit of recognition, it's the on-site content that really does all of that. I have to ask this question as well. So if a brand's looking to produce high authority content, can AI have a part of that? Can AI be involved in that content generation? Uh, AI content is unfortunately going to be synonymous with SEO and digital marketing going forward. So I think the big thing is whoever uses it best and still integrates it with human produced content is going to be the ones that come out on top. And by this, I mean things as simple as it's okay to use AI to generate part of an article or give you the bare bones. But if you can then attribute a human to it with like their personal experience, expertise and authority and assign that and essentially say this content has been produced by AI but it has been reviewed by humans, amended and edited by humans um, to ensure factual accuracy at all times, then that is going to be the way that businesses can sort of work around and balance using AI but also say freelancers or their internal writing staff. It's just going to be a game of who can use AI the smartest without taking away that human element that will really uh, look to succeed going forward. Do you think it really is necessary to be whiter than white and say AI was involved in 
some part of the creation of this content? Or as long as if humans are involved, as long as of AI, is it, is it not reasonable just to credit the, the humans with the authorship or the article? In answer to that, I'd say realistically, it depends on just how involved people actually were in this. Obviously, you'd want to portray being whiter than white because ultimately black art SEO, we know that it works to a degree, but then an update will come out and you'll see your visibility ultimately disappear. So trying to be as white as white as you can, whilst actually also being whiter than white, is um, a very good way to go, especially if you're starting out, because it will give you that longevity. And again, when core updates come out, you should, in theory, be promoted and rewarded for following the guidelines more so than have a sudden surge for a short period of time before you get found out. But realistically, I'd say it all depends on the amount that humans actually are involved in the content process. If you, say, went onto ChatGPT, put in a command saying, write me 750 words on how I can get a business loan for my startup company, and there's no sort of proofread, no uh, amendments, no citing, uh, referencing, anything like that, and if it hasn't been looked over by an expert, really, I would say um, it would be good to disclaim that this has been written by AI following a review from internal experts just to ensure factual accuracy. And as well, in some industries, things change on dime so quickly that something that's written by AI yesterday isn't going to be as factually accurate today because of changes in legislation. And again, that's where that human element and the manual sort of attention to detail really starts to come in. And the fourth element of EAT is trustworthiness. So where does trust fit in? Trustworthiness is really bringing all of this together. Having a website that the purpose of it is clear, the fact that you are obviously financial gain is always going to be part of whatever a business does is ultimately without that a business wouldn't be running. However, making sure that everything that you do is clear, transparent. If you're offering support guides, making sure that they're um, cited and backed up by experts. And if it, there's no sort of like weird cloaking, there's no misleading ads on your website, anything like that. But then also, as we touched on before, having that positive digital footprint, again, mentioning any awards, partnerships, accreditations that you have, um, that is a key element to ultimately making users feel safe on your website. And if you're an online store, for instance, making sure that you have uh, payment information clear, because again, having things as simple as taking PayPal, Klarna and these sort of financing companies are becoming much more prominent when online shopping now, especially with the sort of cost of living crisis at the moment. Having all of these sorts of things uh, available, contact information, anything like that, just to really make it apparent that you are a trusted organisation. Users can feel safe, A, reading uh, the content published throughout your website, but B, that they also feel safe whilst they're on the website itself, that there's not going to be anything sort of untoward happening in, in the background as well. You've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023, so now let's talk about what SEOs shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEOs shouldn't be doing in 2023? The big thing that I think SEO shouldn't be doing in 2023 is going after high volume keywords, particularly what we call seed keywords. Obviously, when you're putting together an SEO strategy for either your client website or um, if you're agency side, any number of websites that you're working on, the idea of going after a single or double word keyword that has, say, 15,000 monthly searches on paper, 
highly attractive and ultimately traffic is that vanity metric that everybody wants. However, these seed keywords incorporate everything from informational, discovery. There is definitely an element of some transactional intent, uh, search intent behind that. But ultimately, you're going to be putting in a lot of effort to realistically gain not a lot from a business perspective. Yes, there's the argument of the increased brand awareness and visibility. However, when starting out especially, the best thing that you could do would be to actually target those long tail keywords that have that higher intent, build an audience that way, um, coincide that with additional sort of supportive articles, really information-led pieces that offer ultimately value for free. Um, to really sort of build your position in the industry, have those high intent commercial keywords that you're going after, but really segregating your strategy so that it's not just, yep, I'm going to go after this one keyword with 15,000 searches. I'm going to go after 40 low-hanging fruit, 10 search volume keywords that have that really high intent, but I'll also balance that with going after highly informational traffic that will then ultimately build that brand visibility. So you break it into two pillars, Instead of, yep, I'll go after this one keyword that will bring all success to my business. I think the advice a couple of years ago was target long tail keyword phrases first. Maybe look at four or five long keyword phrases that are perhaps only attracting 50 to 100 uh, searches per month. Highly specific, um, relevant to your business. uh, Great relevant um, content for those keyword phrases. But then maybe after a year or two, um, as you've built more authority to your website, then you can target the the shorter tail keyword phrases. Are you saying that that's still a mistake and that there's better uses of your time nowadays? I'd I'd say that there's definitely still better uses of um, your time than going after those keywords. As again, the more that you develop your website, um, your visibility for those sort of seed keywords should improve naturally and organically as a byproduct. The big thing that I'm saying is don't put too much effort into just increasing those keywords. If you were to say, look at additional aspects of the business or look at a new sort of um, informational strategy that's um, highlighting the reasons why people are looking to use your product, your software, your services. Really diversify um, your offering. And again, if you're going after these high commercial intent keywords, the output versus input sort of risk-reward ratio is far better. And as well, this also gives you the opportunity to really focus in on either a particular area that you want to sort of really promote on your website or it allows you to build an audience that are like last time i needed this service this product i knew exactly where to go and that allows you to do that again when you're just going for these top of the sort of funnel keywords you sort of lose that element of these guys uh, offering me exactly what i want for instance if you uh, google anything related to finance you are going to be met with say investopedia um, as a website you know that that's just such a large organization that you're just going to be reading a piece of content that ultimately doesn't really mean a lot to you. Whereas if it's a a sort of small business that really hammers in on exactly what your needs and wants are, that is an organisation that you're going to keep going back to. So it really also creates that opportunity for repeat business as opposed to one-off. Again, we all want those high traffic um, figures. They look great in monthly reports especially when you see a sort of diagonal line on a a graph for your monthly visitors. But if that's going up and your profit or um, even just revenue isn't, then you know that really 
what you've got is pure vanity, not substance. Edward Zubrinsky is SEO and content manager at Swoop Funding, and you can find him over at swoopfunding.com. Edward, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2023. Thanks for having me. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to SEO in 2023 Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2023 podcast, video series, and book. Find out more over at seoin2023.com.